We welcome you to join us on the porch. Today's show is made possible by VRC Limited. Grab a coffee or a cool lemonade and join our host, Randy Voller, for a slice of life from the perspective of one of Chatham County's most actively engaged community leaders, former mayor, real estate developer, musician, and all-around great guy. Now, here's Randy. And welcome back on the porch. This is your host, Randy Voller. I am so happy to have Representative Renee Price with us on the porch today. Representative Price, great to see you. Great to see you again as well. It's been a long time. It's been a while, so we're going to want an update. So you are still the representative for District 50, which covers a big part of Orange County and also Caswell County. And you are moving into what they call the short session in the legislature. So what's on deck in the short session for citizens of North Carolina? Well, this will be my first short session because, as you know, this is my first term in the General Assembly. So I'm waiting to see what will happen. Now, I have we have our regulations as to what bills can be brought forth during the short session. So I'm just waiting to see what will happen, actually. Well, I've had the uh, the good fortune of interacting with you as a representative and before as a county commissioner when you were commissioner in Orange County. And your office is incredibly well informed. In fact, you sit on a number of committees. How do you think your service as a county commissioner has helped you going up into the legislature? Being a county commissioner gave me a wealth of experience because it's at the county level, as we used to say, where the rubber meets the road. So that's when you really know the issues and how it affects people, both the larger community and the individual, and going into the General Assembly, I had that background to help me, especially when we're looking at bills. You you know, you're looking at them at a higher level, um, you know, from way up high. But I've also been down on the ground. So I know uh, some of the impact of some of the policies that we've tried to put forth. So currently uh, you're on a few committees here in the House. For instance, you're on appropriations and information technology. Tell us what are you doing on that committee? Tell, tell the folks what you do. Well, we met uh, occasionally during the long session, and uh, when the appropriations were brought forth, we sat and reviewed them. We looked through them, and as, in terms of the the second one, the appropriations for information technology, there was very little to do there. Um, we had uh, speakers to come in and talk about information technology and basically the expansion of broadband uh, across the state because so many so many people really don't have uh, access to good internet, and it really should be considered a utility at this point, a public service utility. Well, that was an issue that one of your predecessors in that district, Bill Faison, was real keen on, and this is how old this issue really is, you know, access to information technology, access to broadband. Uh, the Inflation Reduction Act certainly is providing money to the state, how, how will this be, uh, come into the district, your district? Well, as you indicated earlier, I have two counties, and Orange County went ahead a couple of years ago and began its expansion of broadband working with Lumos and rather than wait for the state. Now, Caswell County is different, and they are, will be using state funds to expand their broadband. And um, it's... It's interesting because you have an area that is moving, part of my district, which is really moving forward, and another part where 
you know, even when I'm driving through to get to Yanceyville with my phone, I can't even get service. So <laughs> they are in dire need in Caswell County. It's um, when they have the maps, it's, it's the and they show by gradation, color gradation, how uh, how great or how poor the service is. And Caswell County has this big dark spot right in the middle of it. So here we are in America, a first world country. And yet right here in your district, you have folks, the same in Chatham County where I live, where essentially they're living on the information dirt road is what I told Bill Faison years ago. <laughs> we have this information superhighway and then a whole lot of people that are still on dial up or on what I would consider substandard access to the Internet. And some have no access whatsoever. You see students uh, sitting in the cars with their parents in the parking lot of a, something like a McDonald's or, I guess, a Walmart. I don't know. Uh, but those are some of the stories that I've heard. But since then, over the years, we've become more and more dependent upon Internet. At one point, I'm sure people thought of it more as a luxury, but now we need it for education because children get their assignments through the through the internet, for medicine, there's telehealth, and, and business is needed, especially if you want to have your own business and, and you're out in the rural areas, uh, you need to have access to internet. So I was just looking at the housing market report from the National Association of Realtors, which comes through NCAR OCHAR that we've, we distribute out for your district. And, you know, as you said, it's Caswell and most of Orange without, you know, Chapel Hill the median sales price for January of 2024 for Orange was roughly $427,000, $427, which is similar, a little bit lower than Chatham County. But for your district, it's actually $255,000, which is lower than the median sales price of the state at three hundred and six. Why do you think that is? Is that all Caswell County or just— That is because of Caswell County. Uh, Caswell County is is a uh, tier one county, whereas Orange County is a tier three. So county. tell tell the folks what is tier one, two, and three. What does that mean? Tier one. What uh, does that mean? It's an economic so, designation. Yes, and simply to uh, to be very simple about it, it means uh, the it indicates the wealth of the county and the the amount of development. So Caswell County is a very very rural county. With uh, their their county seat is Yanceyville, and they only have one other small town, Milton, which has about 150 people. And Yanceyville is very small. Uh, there's very little economic development other than agriculture in Caswell County. Then you come to Orange County, where even though Hillsborough is, is a small town as well, but it is still much larger than, than Yanceyville and so much more development and we have development along um, I-85 and I-40 towards Mebane and inclusive of Mebane. So we have a lot of economic development going on, and we are we, we also have the uh, the influence of Chapel Hill and Carborough. You mentioned uh, the overlapping where Mebane is in is in Alamance County and also in Orange. Did you get people writing you about that Bucky's? Even though you have no oh, control yes. over that, I had no control <laughs> over that, and uh, I had a, I heard, what was it? We had a, I think it was like 111 constituents when I was still chair of the Orange County Board of Commissioners to talk about Bucky's the, the, the pros and cons, and um, yes, I, I got a few emails about it, but uh, I actually thought that uh, that the town council was going to listen more carefully to their residents. Because I know that they were um, the residents 
were reluctant to have Bucky's move in, as was the planning board. But the town council went ahead with it unanimously. And they, and they voted for it. Yeah, it was unanimous. Yes. It was a surprise to me. So, I mean, this is it's, it's interesting because that's one of the areas where uh, boards, uh, local local boards actually have power. Of course, all power in the state, you know, comes from the authority granted by the General Assembly. But for the most part in the state, local uh, boards don't have that much power, which I want to pick up after the break. We're here with Representative Renee Price on the porch. You're listening to On the Porch with Randy Voller, made possible by VRC Limited. Welcome back to On the Porch. Randy Voller and his friends bringing local flavor with zesty conversation. Come on up and grab a chair. Welcome back on the porch. We're here with Representative Renee Price. So, Renee, right before we got to the break, I was just commenting on how most of the power in the state resides within the General Assembly, and you're one of the 120 members on the House side. I don't think a lot of folks that are that move to North Carolina realize that we are one of the most restrictive states in preemptive preempting local government's authority to improve their residents' well-being in a variety of areas. Now, you served as an Orange County commissioner, so you understand what that means. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Well, the, uh, the General Assembly uh, writes the statutes. They give power and they can take the power away. And we saw uh, quite a bit this past uh, session, during the long session, of attempts to uh, even restrict the powers of local government even more, making it, in essence, what we did. um, And we saw it a lot in the uh, local government, land use, planning and development committee, and in regulatory reform, with attempts to make it easier for developers to come in and do what they want to do. There have been issues with the time that it takes uh, for inspections and permitting. And so we had some members that were eager to make it easier for developers to go in, bypass some of the the hoops that that you have to go through with uh, either a city, town, or county in order to get your development approved. So they were trying to fast track it. And this, in essence, takes power away from the local governments because if you make an avenue for a developer to get a permit or um, to get an inspection quicker by going outside of the county or the city, it takes their power away. So some might argue that there's unnecessary red tape with inspection departments, whether within a town or county. Do you think that's a function of just how local government or bureaucracies work or a, or a lack of, of funds to hire the necessary people to actually have the staff to do the job? I think it's a lack of, of the resources to hire the people because even in Orange County, at one time we had one person that was doing most of the work. And so we finally uh, hired more staff and could move things along. But you could come to other counties and they have – uh, much less, uh, much fewer resources than Orange County does, and they just don't have the capacity. And so, what uh, a couple of the bills were doing was allowing would allow uh, a developer to go to like a marketplace and get a third party inspector to do the work, particularly if the town or the, the county was unable to 
to do the inspections or go through the permitting process within, say, 21 days. And they could go to this marketplace, get get their inspection done, and then continue on with their development. So one of the critiques I've heard of the way that we operate in the state in, in terms of how the General Assembly, you know, holds all this power uh, within the within the statutes is that it almost seems like uh, it's a mommy-daddy state where you have to get permission from the General Assembly to do anything locally that uh, makes them like a giant planning board or a giant homeowners association that they, <laughs> they have their fingers into everything. So like in other states, you'll see that local governments can get involved with raising minimum wage or securing paid leave for workers or protecting residents from discrimination. But in this state, if you're the mayor of a town, for instance, and this was an idea you wanted to push, you literally can't do that. Well, you can do it, but you may get your hand slapped. And then uh, the uh, whatever law you try to put in place or ruling can be rescinded. So, yes. yes. Yeah, and so other examples, I mean, you mentioned some, but others are uh, deal with even um, uh, oh, no, annexation. Right. That's annexation. a big topic. Yes. And it, we had several of those this past long session. And it rather than, I, I know you kind of painted this picture of the state coming in and doing something, but we got requests from the local people or from the local boards, depending on which scenario it was, asking, can we be annexed or asking, can we be de-annexed? And then you have people on both sides of the fence. And so, you know, that's when the parent, as you tried to describe this, the parent comes in and makes the decision. Well, that is one of the more complex, you know, complex issues. The idea of extraterritorial jurisdiction, uh, jurisdiction, ETJ, uh, where folks, Again, moving here from other localities, other states don't understand that or they may not have that, where it was put into place to provide a logical planning. So for listeners that may not know this, you know, let's say you have a one-mile radius out around your town where you can plan into the county. And in some places, it could be as much as three miles in Pittsburgh, for example, that was put in by a local bill back in the 1970s uh, by Ed Holmes, in fact, when he was the representative but that was done in order to, ha to, to have coherent planning between the municipality and place that would grow. But where the rub comes in is that the people that have this planning done out, you know, they live in the county, but they're under this ETJ for a town. They don't pay taxes, but they can't vote. And so they feel as if, well, we're not able to vote. But again, they're not paying taxes either. You get you. That's where the rub comes in. Well, they're still paying county taxes, but yes. they're not paying the municipal taxes, no. and they can't vote for the mayor, and they can't vote for the town people, no. the town council. So it, they are disenfranchised. Yet, but they are allowed to be put on these boards. That's what I've pointed out to people. So planning boards and rec boards do have extraterritorial jurisdiction or ETJ members. Yes, and in one case that we had in Orange County, by being by an area being part of the ETJ, that we were, well, we all worked together. They were able to apply for federal funds. So I'm going to give you a, a, a case that I first became aware of in between Orange and Chatham, and we discussed this with Karen Howard, who I think is the new chair of the MPO in our area, and you know is the vice chair for Chatham County Commissioners, and Aaron Nelson, the chamber. It's the area in 15501 when you go south of 
a southern village and you're coming into Chatham County. So you have the Walmart on the line there between Division 7 and 8 with DOT. There's a sidewalk that's built on the Chatham side and then one on the Orange or the Chapel Hill side. But there's this area of land where it's kind of a no a no person's land or no man's land where the sidewalk isn't there. You can see people have been walking on it for years. But there's so many jurisdictions that would have control over it. And I think there recently were some votes in our, in Carborough and Chapel Hill about, you know, extending their urban area or their zone. But that's a, an interesting example where years ago when I was the chair of the RPO, which you served on, uh, yes, TARPO, Tarpo, that we, we wanted to put sidewalk in there, but it was so complex. Right, because DOT basically didn't do sidewalks. Exactly. <laughs> and it was left to the municipality to do it. So. And in that one particular area, who had exact jurisdiction Fiction. was complicated. Yeah. Uh, just another example of how, you know, how these different territories overlap and sometimes can serve the citizens or not. Well, this is Randy Voller on the porch with Renee Price, your representative from District 50. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to On the Porch with Randy Voller, made possible by VRC Limited. Welcome back to On the Porch. Randy Voller and his friends bringing local flavor with zesty conversation. Come on up and grab a chair. And we're back on the porch with Representative Renee Price here from Orange County and Caswell. So, Representative Price, we're just talking about local government and uh, kind of its effects. But now I want to move into finishing on your standing, uh, the committees you serve on, and what you'll be doing in the short session. Of course, we have a big election in 2024. So, you're also on the Education Committee and Community Colleges. What do you what do you foresee for that this year? Uh, for community colleges, well, we did um, give them well through the budget. They they got increases, so community college will con- colleges will continue to to move forward. And uh, there's a big thrust to actually uh, to continue to work for community colleges to work in tandem with some of our businesses that are moving into the area or expanding, so that people can come out with a uh, with the ability to take a job to to get a job that pays a a living wage or substantial, uh, have a substantial salary and benefits. So here's a question for you. There's been a lot of consternation about changes in the law and the legislature with charter schools and education and vouchers. And I've seen some information come forward about, you know, schools that supposedly exist in various counties that don't exist when they go check on them, but they got money from the legislature. Um, Essentially, money was sent, but, you know, you go to this address, so there's no school. Mm, yeah. it, that's something uh, you, you – I'll forward that, but that's something that's come up uh, that people are concerned about some of those changes. Uh, well, local, I think some uh, – really what I hear more about is the uh, the vouchers. The and vouchers. The, the money going to private schools because you're taking public money and sending it to private schools. And I have no problem with pub, with private schools. In fact, I attended a private school at one time. 
Yet I, I do have an issue with public monies being used for private schools. I'm with you there. I My mother was an education uh, educator. I attended public school and private school, but my parents paid for the private schools. And my parents paid for my private school education and, as well. In fact, my one of them was St. Thomas More in Pittsburgh. We have a St. Thomas More here in Chapel Hill. It was a Catholic school. So you are, you're also on the local government committee. We talked about, about that. that. Regulatory reform. What's going on there? Oh, well, we had some interesting discussions in that committee. Um, what I found quite interesting was the one where we were trying to uh, uh, relax the licensure for therapists. And there's a growing interest for people that do natural therapy. Mm-hmm. But what really intrigued me was the music therapy, and that was in one of them. And I have friends that are using music to help people that have disabilities in their communication. It's a great way to reach people. Yes, and so that one was very interesting to me. But between local government and regulatory reform, that's where we saw also some of the um, restrictions. We're trying to change or restrict, right. <laughs> yeah, on, uh, when it comes to local government. But we saw some other interesting things with regulatory reform. You're also on uh, the House Select Committee on Substance Abuse. Yes, I was appointed to that along with the Oversight Committee on Information Technology for this, this interim between the long and short session. And uh, we had our first meeting uh, just the other day, and that was very um, – it was quite interesting to talk about another – uh, drug, well, what should be considered a drug, I suppose, another substance that is affecting our youth. And what would that be? Let me see if I can get this name pronounced it correctly. Uh, Tyaneptine. So there's Ty- another drug out there targeted toward youth. Mm. Yes, yes, and they sell it next to the candy and things like that. But uh, it's supposed to be, a, you know, give you this euphoric effect. But, of course, if you're young and, um, and of course, your brain doesn't stop developing until you're about age 25, and this is affecting your, your whole – your brain and your whole body. Uh, so there's quite a bit of concern right now about the ability of the, – the ability to, to purchase this substance. It's actually called gas station heroin. And, and so you don't have an opponent this year, though. We're going to have to wrap it up. Okay. You're unopposed, no opponent, but you want people to uh, to get out to vote. And, of course, you're working hard to protect the right to vote. Absolutely. And I encourage everyone to get out and vote. As A lot of people think, oh, my vote doesn't count. But it does because there are elections that have been won with one or two votes. But at the same time, it also means that you you have a voice and you're using your vote to express your opinions. And so we really need people to get out there and vote. And even if your candidate doesn't win this time, please stay involved and stay committed and, and active. So how can a constituent reach your office? My office. What's uh, the best way? Uh, go on. The easiest thing is to go online and look me up. And um, my uh, legislative assistant, Annette Moore, will connect connect you with me or set up an appointment. My door is open. Even though I'm not in Raleigh every day right now, uh, I do meet with people, whether it's here in Hillsborough or Orange County, somewhere. I go up to Yanceyville as well, or I can meet you in Raleigh. Well, this has been Renee Price, who's the District 50 rep on the porch. We would love to have you back on the porch, and good luck in the short session. Thank you. You've been listening to On the Porch with Randy Voller on 97.9 The Hill. Catch episodes on demand at chapelborough.com slash on the porch.